Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, if you got your Bibles, Acts, Acts 17, uh, 10 through 15, and we'll, we'll dive in in just a moment. Uh, I, I remember, so, so I remember when, uh, when cars started getting navigation, right? This was a big deal. Uh, no more... No more jacking with the, like the fold-out maps. Students, y'all have no idea, okay? It was an adventure. And of course, uh, for the longest time, as a, as a broke youth pastor, I couldn't afford those cars with navigation. So I just had the, like the little Garmin with the 1.5-inch screen that you had to squint at uh, as, it, as it sat up on your dashboard. Uh, and the little the little ball socket that held it up would never would never cooperate, so the garment just kind of dangled down like it needed healing. Um, but having having navigation in your car, it was it was a it was a game changer. Uh, church to this day, my 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 parents, uh, uh, God bless them, love them. They will they will not use navigation. <laughs> They, they, like they, they, true story. They will not, they will not even use. Uh, they, they don't hardly use Google Maps, and, and so we were hanging uh, two or three weeks ago, and 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 I, I forgot their non-navigation ways, and, and so we were, we were uh, cruising from a cross-country meet for the twins in Houston, and we were heading to lunch with the grandparents. And, 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 and my folks, in all sincerity, as we're leaving the park, they, 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 they look at me and they say, hey, can you give us the directions uh, for this lunch spot in Houston? Uh, and, and they're like ready to bust out a pin, you know? And I'm like, Dad, like we could, we could type the name of the restaurant into Google, you know? That would be, that'd be, that'd be spectacular. Uh, and, and, and as I said that, I might as well have like spoken a sentence in like flawless Mandarin um, <laughs> because they, they have the navigation system like at their fingertips. Uh, my folks, they just, they just won't use it. They, they, don't, they don't use it. Um, church, if we, if we follow Jesus by God's design, we are to navigate our lives by and through the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Like, that's it. We're, we're to navigate by and through the word of God. And in Acts 17, what we find is we see the example of the Bereans. We see in the example of the Bereans a model of biblical fidelity that we're, we're supposed to emulate. We're supposed to pursue. And so here's the question. Here's a question for us. Here's a question for you, Christian. Is the, is the culture uh, increasingly chases after uh, idols and ideology, uh, ideologies that are devoid of the gospel and they are devoid of, of really any biblical backing? How does the church not get sucked in to all the noise? 
How do we avoid that? And Christian, here's a question for you. Are you checking the voices and the values of culture against the grid of the word of God? Is that is that a thing for you? Are you or are you are you regurgitating the current cultural prophets or are you paying heed to the biblical prophets of old who warned against the deceitfulness of sin? But check this out. They also pointed ahead to sin's solution. Amen. So what is governing and guiding your life right now? In Berea, we, we find a people who were governed and guided by God's word. Amen. And so as we as we jump in, I want to look at three things of what it is to be a people who are governed and guided by God's word. And really, all, all, all the points we, we just read 10 through 15, but all the points are going to be derived from verse 11. And our first point this morning is this. Uh, if we're going to be governed and guided by God's word, you need to check your reception. You need to check your reception. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, check your reception. That was solid. I want you to look at your other neighbor, tell him, check your reception. So, so verse 10, it picks up with Paul and Silas bouncing from Thessalonica. And really, they're getting away. Uh, they're getting away from this angry mob. And as Paul and Silas, as they make their way to Berea, it was, uh, which was 45 miles southwest of Thessalonica. It was, it was off the Via Ignatia, the, 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 the big Roman highway, just a, a little ways, kind of off the beaten path. But we, in Berea, we see a completely different response to Paul's teaching and his ministry. In the contrast, it couldn't be more stark. Compared to verses 1 uh, through, through 9, verse 11 highlights this difference by stating, if you look at, the, at your Bibles, that these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And David Peterson, a uh, commentator, says this about this, 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 this concept of noble character. He says, the term used here referred originally to noble birth, but Peterson said it came to be more applied more generally to high-minded behavior. And, and Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, said it like this, more noble-minded than the Thessalonians means that the Bereans were objective. They were objective in their evaluation of Paul's message. Moody goes on, he says, they judged, judged his message by the standard of Scripture rather than their preconceived prejudices. See, noble in the Greek is this, it's this Greek word eugenes. In the sense here, check this out, it is a disposition or desire to learn. It is a disposition or a desire to learn. It is an open-mindedness. Church, keep in mind that the, Paul's last encounter in a Jewish synagogue uh, was, was with a, a, a bunch of jealous rage monsters, right? Who, who, formed a, who formed a mob and tried to attack him. And so the Bereans, their, their humble response here in the text, it, it would have been a breath of fresh air for two guys who, who had been on a roller coaster ride of opposition since Philippi for Paul and Silas. 
Verse 11, it goes on to say that they received the word with, with all eagerness. And that word eagerness in the Greek is, is the word pro, prothemia, and it, and it just means a, a willingness. There was a willingness. There was something within their will that drove a hunger, and check this out, a, a responsiveness, a receptiveness to know and rightly understand biblical truth. There was, a, there was a reception, church family. I, the, nowadays, nowadays, you get the, the sudden link guy who comes out or, or, or dish or direct TV, and they come and they set all your stuff up, and, and it's just kind of out of sight, and it's done, right? And you don't, like, you don't have to even think about it. But, but back in the day, it, it was the rabbit ears that were hanging off the back of your TV, who, who's, who was rocking with the rabbit ears, okay? And so, uh, and if you wanted to boost that, if you wanted to boost that reception and go from like the regular TV package of eight channels to the super deluxe TV package of, of 12 channels, uh, you had to buy the rabbit ears antenna that would like go halfway up to the ceiling. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. And, uh, and so uh, and there would be times that you would have one person watching the screen and you'd be like like twisting and contorting the antenna uh, because, by gosh, I was going to get clear reception for Knight Rider. OK, go look it up. Uh, but but you you had to get the reception right. Like you, you had to get the reception right. Here, here's the problem is I, is I look around the landscape, not of the culture, I'm looking around the landscape of the church. Are, are we even receptive to the word of God? Are, are we even tuned in to the word of God? Let me ask you this. Are you even open to what the Bible has to say about a matter? Or, or is your mind already made up? Is, is God's word, is it authoritative over human sexuality? Is it authoritative over how you view race, over how you view injustice, or, or, or how you view the brokenness of this world? Is it, listen, is it authoritative over your purity? Is the Bible authoritative over your speech? Does it inform and dictate how you make decisions? See, for too many folks, it's, it's, not, it's not the Holy Scriptures, it's the Holy Suggestions. And Tony Morita says this. Here's the first step in becoming a student of the Bible. Approach God's Word with humility. And you say, Teach me, O oh God. Teach me, O oh God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, a, a passage that many of you are familiar with, all scripture is breathed out by God. It is inspired by God. It's profitable for te teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, check this out, may be complete and equipped for every good work. See, you have to, you have to get to the place where if you believe this is true, then you, then you trust even the hard parts of Scripture. There's some hard parts of Scripture. Amen. And you... you you trust even, even the parts that you struggle with. You trust that they're, they're profitable. 
And even if, if for those parts where you, the, the tension can't be resolved in your mind, in your mind, you trust that it's resolved in the infinite, omniscient, perfect mind of God. Amen. And a big part of why churches fill their services with entertainment and and gimmicks and celebrities and fluff is that we no longer have an appetite for the word of God. We want to we want to move on from the Bible onto something else because we don't we don't really like what God has revealed and often we haven't obeyed what God has required. So in order to not deal with the conviction uh, from our disobedience, we just we fill the church with noise and nonsense. And we we're just getting our ears tickled with what we want to hear and what what with what affirms us. But what it's revealing is that we we don't have go back to the text, open minds and an open heart to the actual word of God. We need to check our reception. Amen. Once you look at your neighbor, tell him, check your reception. reception. One, One final word here. Church, one final word of caution. We we need to be open-minded, but not thoughtless or uncritical. Amen? Listen, especially, hear me, especially if you are new to the faith, be on guard. Find someone who will walk with you in discipleship. But check this out. Make sure the Bible is central. Make sure the Bible is central. Be open, but be wise and discerning. Many passionate and eager new Christian uh, converts to Christianity are led astray because they, they move from open-mindedness to over-trusting. And Kent Hughes says, acceptance of teachings without discernment is not a Christian virtue. The Bereans, they, they, they didn't just take Paul's word for it. Church family, they dug in for themselves. Amen? They, they dug in. And so, so here, here's some application. Or here's some questions. What, think about this. Christian, what are, what are you receiving? What are you welcoming and, and accepting right now? What, what cultural ideologies or, or just ideologies in general are you giving a, a, a free pass Christian, examine your life. And, and I would say this, examine your people. Is your, is your closest community more influenced by a particular news source, by certain teachers or authors or thought leaders, or is the Bible the main influencer? I'm going to say that again. Examine your life and your people. Your, your closest community around you, are they more influenced by a, a particular news source, by, by certain teachers, authors, or thought leaders, or is the Bible the main influence? Is the Bible the main influencer? Second thing this morning. So we check, we check your reception, but here's the other thing. You if you're going to be a people who are governed and guided by God's word, you clarify through review. You clarify through review. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, clarify through review. Look at your other neighbor, tell them, clarify through review. That was, that was surprisingly in sync, right? Um, 
Verse 11 also reveals that they were examining the Scriptures. They were examining the Scripture. Examine in the, in the Greek is this word anakrino. Anakrino means to judge or to question. The sense is to consider in detail or to subject to analysis. So church fam, there was, a, there was a determination that marked the Bereans. They didn't just give it like a cursory glance, like, okay, that looks good. Let's go. Let's do it. No, they dug in. They, they judged Paul's word against the, the standard of Scripture. And what, what's fascinating about that is, is this. Derek Thomas, he points out that the, the Bereans, they were unlikely to possess any of their own copies of the Old Testament. Thomas says they were expensive to acquire, involving painstaking copying by a, a scribe. So therefore, he, he says it was necessary for them to consult the copies that were held in the synagogue. Church, they camped out in the synagogue. They camped out in the synagogue to search the scrolls to clarify and to verify everything that Paul was saying about Jesus. Amen? I, I, so so there, it was no... It was no skim. It was no cursory glance. Man, they camped out and they examined the scriptures. I, I, I read a, a tremendous amount of commentary uh, every, every week. Uh, and, and, and I'm also a, a very uh, active reader. So what I mean by that is I, I mark up and I highlight books and uh, I, I write in books, uh, which I know for some of you book lovers, that's like nails on a chalkboard. Uh, Stephanie finds it entertaining to read a book after I've gotten a hold of it uh, because if I'm, I'm reading along and like if I disagree with the author, I'm just like, no. <laughs> few times it's been, this is stupid. And Steph's like reading along and she just shakes her head. But then other times I'm like, amen, three exclamation points, right? Um, the other fun fact is that Although I, I, I am a fast reader, uh, one of my flaws is that if something doesn't overly interest me, I can be a chronic skimmer. Uh, so much so, uh, the, the joke around the office, or at least with, with Matt Ulrich, is that he'll start to ask me if I've read a certain book, and then he'll stop himself and, and shake his head, and he already knows I, I didn't read it. Uh, he, he's like, you skimmed it, huh? Like, Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I got the gist of it and I moved on. Uh, church, we're not chronic skimmers of the Bible. Church, to be governed and guided by God's Word means that you clarify everything through carefully reviewing the Bible. Amen? You don't, just, you don't just blindly accept what someone is saying or, or, or what the culture is espousing or even, listen, even what someone says that their, their truth is or their experience is without first analyzing it against the backdrop of the full counsel of the Word of God. And this is why Paul pleaded. This is why Paul pleaded with Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he said this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
Listen, you don't, you don't have to be a Bible expert. I know, especially if you're new to, to following Jesus, it can be overwhelming because you think, oh man, I'm, I'm surrounded by a bunch of Bible experts. That's false, right? Like, no, listen, you don't have to be a Bible expert, but if you follow Jesus, you need to be growing in your handling of God's Word. Amen? And the more you review your experiences and your circumstances and ideas and ideologies and the culture through the lens of Scripture, the more discerning you'll become to see right through the half-truths of Satan. You see right through the schemes of the enemy. And so here's the application. we gotta, we got to quit giving the culture a free pass. Amen? Like we just blindly consume stuff like, okay, we gotta, we got to stop that. we got to quit giving the culture a free pass. Quit thinking, that it's a, quit thinking that it's a good thing when the church and the culture agree about everything. And, and, and when we're, we're hand in hand saying the same things and seeing things the same way. And here's another one. Listen, we, we've got to stop being so enamored with celebrity preachers and teachers who, who are light on the Bible and they're light on Christ-like character, but they're heavy on charisma and on putting on a show. Amen? Like, get, listen, get to the substance Get to the substance. So many of you students, listen, you're going to graduate and you're going to go on and you're going to, you're going to move to, to rural areas. You're going to move to Houston and Dallas and San Antonio and Austin and out of the state. Listen, when you get connected to a church and you're, and you're soaking in what the, what's, what's happening, listen, you need to know, are they getting to the substance? Are they getting to the word? Amen. It's okay. Listen, it's okay for a, it's okay for a preacher to interject uh, comedic elements into his sermon, but it's not okay when the way he handles the word is the joke. Third thing this morning. So you don't just clear, you don't just check your reception, you don't just clarify through review. If we're going to be a people who are governed and guided by God's word, we've got to commit. To repetition. We've got to commit to repetition. I want you to look at your neighbor, tell him commit to repetition. Look at your other neighbor, tell him commit to repetition. Verse 11. We're still in verse 11. They were examining the scriptures daily. Daily. I won't, I won't belabor this point, but Christian, being governed and guided by God's word is a, is a daily endeavor. Amen? The, the Bereans, they, they had a steady daily diet of the word. They weren't, they weren't counting on the once per week sermon or small group or podcast to fill their, new, their spiritual nutritional needs. And though they might not have had the same access to the Old Testament as the Christians in Jerusalem... Following the pattern of Acts 2, 42 through 47, they gathered daily to pour over the scriptures. See, here's our, here's our problem. Like we're, we're, such a, we're such a Google culture. We, we, want the, we want the quick answer. We, 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 want, the, we want the shortcut. And, and, so, and so we become lazy. We don't want the daily discipline of having to tune out the noise. 
and to tune out the, the busyness and the, the distraction of life around us so that we can get the life of God in us. And, and, and I think sometimes, and I do this, I, I think sometimes we, we, look, we look back on our heroes of the faith and we think that they were somehow like different or, or like superhuman, Right? We, we look back at uh, the, the D.L. Moody's, who I quote often, and, and the, the Spurgeons and the, the, the Jonathan Edwards, and, and we, we marvel at their giftedness, and we, we marvel at their, their faith. And like, I love reading the stories of, of like George Mueller and, and you take Mueller, for example, and we, we love reading the stories about his work with orphans and, and our jaws drop at, at the accounts of his incredible faith and how he just trusted God with all things. But Mueller, Mueller was said to have read the Bible over 200 times. Mueller, George Mueller was said to have read the Bible over 200 times. He didn't just navigate through life trusting God by accident. Y'all, it was by design. It was by design because he was a, a, a man who was committed to the repeated reading, the, the committed memorization, the, the repeated uh, meditation and application of God's word. And so I would just say this, Christian, do you, you, you want to be greatly used by God? You, you want to be a spiritual giant for God's glory? Like there's no, there's no shortcut. And there's no, there's no fast pass, right? I'll just skip around the line here. No, you, you read the Bible daily because that's how you hear God's voice. You read the Bible daily because that's how you hear God's voice. It's how you make sense of the world around you. And it's how you consistently walk in the will and in the ways of God. And ultimately, but here's the thing, ultimately, a long, steady commitment to repetition, like that, that's not tantalizing, right? Like that, that's not like super flashy, right? Like there's, there's no like... There was no, I read my Bible 200 times award for Moody. But I will say this, man, it, it leads to a, the fruit of deep spiritual maturity. Amen? And it leads to the fruit of staying on mission when the world around you is losing its mind. I'll close, I'll close with this. I'll close with this. Months back, I, I saw where a, a pastor, it happened to be a pastor in our network, he shared an article in which the author that he, that he was, was quoting and sharing said this. The author said, we, we, believe, we believe that the Scripture still has something to say, still has something to say about contemporary life. But... It is, it is incumbent upon us to engage in ethical reasoning, cultural exegesis, drawing truth from around the culture, and responsible application of Scripture to a particular context. And he went on, he said, we benefit from utilizing these interpretive assistants to help us not only exegete, again, draw truth from our culture well, but also to, to apply scripture as well. Like this is becoming mainstream Christianity, 
right? Like human reasoning plus cultural exegesis, whatever that is, plus, plus biblical application. Like, what are we talking about? Like, what, what in the world happened to sola scriptura, right? That the reformers died for. Like, what, what happened to the sufficiency and the authority of the word of God? Like, if you want to rely on human reasoning, it's because you think that the mind of God must be insufficient on the matter. And if you want to, if you want to exegete, if you want to draw from the culture, like, listen, like, think about that. Oh, oh the, the arrogance, the cultural arrogance to think that our woes and our struggles are somehow unique to our time. And it's not rooted in the sinful hearts of men who've been walking this earth for thousands of years. Worldview matters. Worldview matters. And the world and the culture is... The world and the culture is always changing, but God's Word stays the same. Amen? And so... so a, a humanistic worldview is constantly caught up in the big idea that man is the solution to man's problems. It's a worldview that always starts with man. It, man's reasoning, man's capabilities, man's control. And the root issue, here, here, like when it's a humanistic worldview, the root issue is never, it's never sin. It's never sin that's rooted in the hearts of individuals. It, the root issue, it's never rebellion against God. It's always something else. But the, a biblical worldview sa says that you see everything through the lens of the Bible. And it sees, a biblical worldview means that you see the, the problem, uh, the, the root of the problem, and you see, not only that, the agent of transformation and the end result very, very differently. Amen? And this is why it is so important, church, for God's people to be governed and guided by His Word. And Derek Thomas says this, in the end, the question is this, will you submit, will you submit to what is true if God teaches it? Will you submit to what is true if God teaches it? Church, the Bereans were willing to completely change their ideology, their paradigm, their worldview, and their life. If what they, was, they, what they, if what they were hearing was in alignment with the Word of God. As a Christian, can you say the same thing? Jesus says this it's a, in John 6. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words of Jesus are life because they point to life in him. Amen. And later toward the end of John's gospel, he would say this in John 20, 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Word is not the end, but it is the means to knowing and following Jesus. Amen? Restoration fam, we are, we are governed 
and guided by God's word because we are a gospel-centered people who have come to realize that Jesus is our righteousness, he is our life, and he is our only hope. Amen? Amen. Y'all pray with me this morning.